And a good Saturday morning to you. Time once again where wine chat happens with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Buen venito. Buen venito. Grazie. Mille grazie. Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Buen venito. Buen venito. Grazie. Mille grazie. I've been waiting two weeks to say that. <laughs> oh, my. What? Uh, how was your trip? It, you know, it was just absolutely wonderful. We caught fabulous weather. It only rained at night and one afternoon while we were traveling, so it didn't make much difference. But uh, I can't believe a couple of things. Number one, the Italians ignore all laws. I mean, the laws are made for other people, not them. <laughs> However, everybody wears a mask inside. Everybody. I mean, mm. it's the most amazing thing ever. And to get in anywhere, even a restaurant, you had to show your vaccination card. And that's so unlike the Italians, in my opinion, to be so orderly and do that. But then I think when you think about it, they got hit pretty hard at the beginning of this COVID pandemic. And uh, I think maybe learned their lesson or whatever. But everybody to a man uh, wears the mask and, and carries the vaccination card. It was just amazing to me. And you, like I said, you couldn't get in any buildings at all. Uh, if you went into a museum, winery, restaurant, wherever you went inside, you had to wear a mask uh, until you sat at table. And then, of course, you could take the mask off to enjoy uh, the food and that. But it was a, just a great trip. I spent uh, about half of it up in Tuscany. In fact, today I'd like to talk a little bit about Chianti because of that. And uh, we spent the other half in Rome. And uh, like I say, it was fun to see. Uh, nothing was very crowded. Um, uh, the weather was magnificent. And uh, it was just a very, very eye-opening trip. Uh, most of the places we went, we were the first people to come from the United States since the COVID thing. And uh, we were treated, they rolled out the red carpet. Uh, particularly at uh, Castello Bonfi. Uh, they haven't had any visitors at Bonfi since the start of the pandemic, and uh, we were the first ones. And I'll, it, it was just wonderful. John and his wife Pam flew over from Bermuda, where they have a home, uh, just to greet us. And uh, it, it's remarkable what they have done there. Uh, you know, the uh, Marinari family started... Rianiti, and I don't know if you remember, Denny, Rianiti on ice, mighty nice. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, they were selling millions of cases. In fact, they still sell about a million cases of that Rianiti a year in the United States. And what they did is they put all that money into buying the property near Montepiano, uh, and they have today the largest contiguous vineyard in all of Europe. It's over 7,000 acres. And it is the state of the art. I mean, people come from all over the world to see what they're doing there. Even the people from Coca-Cola came by to see their bottling line, if you can imagine such a thing, uh, because they're so advanced. And I remember the grand opening of that place about 20, 30 years ago. I was invited, and we went over for that. And I said, what are you running here, a, a, a oil refinery or a winery? I mean, they had these huge stainless steel vats. I'd never seen that many in one place, etc. Well, they were very foresighted. 
because, as I said, what happened, they took all that Riunini money and left it in Italy and acquired these lands piecemeal. And one of their early partners was the former agricultural minister for Italy. So he helped them carry a lot of red tape away and things like that to uh, actually acquire such a big parcel of land. And uh, like I said, today, the, the wines they make there are just absolutely top of the line. And their Chianti, to me, is one of the best there is. And that's uh, what I thought I'd talk a little bit about today. Because Chianti is a remarkably uh, versatile red wine, in my opinion. Uh, it, it goes with so many different things. Of course, it goes with most pasta dishes. goes without saying you can have it with pizza. You can have it with a steak. You can have it with a chicken. You can have it with spaghetti bolognese, which is you know generally a, uh, wild boar sausage in that. And uh, it, it's just a, a unique property. There's 18,000 acres of uh, wine or vines under cultivation that can be called Chianti. And uh, it's interesting uh, the earliest referral to the wines of Chiani is from Florence in about 1370 or something like that. Uh, they, one of the writers mentioned uh, the Chiani Mountains and the wonderful wines that came from there. Uh, Cosmo de' Medici in the 17th century, uh, actually the 18th century, 1715 or something like that, he's the one that uh, pinpointed the areas that could produce Chianti. And, of course, after World War II, uh, all those Americans who went over there, and the Italians loved to drink wine anyway, but brought home with them a passion for Chianti. And, matter of fact, one of Gallo's earliest products in the jug wine, and one of the most popular, was Paisano. And Paisano in Italian means friend, and uh, it was uh, based on a Chianti flavor. Chianti is pretty much all Sangiovese grape. Uh, used to put uh, white grapes, Malvasia, went into keep the manufacture of Chiani, but that has been slowly eradicated out. And today, to be called Chiani, you have to be at least 80% Sangiovese. And the, uh, like I say, the records on Chiani just make it a, a terrific wine to have any time. Uh, you see the, the uh, Gallo Nero the black rooster on the neck of the bottle, that's the original Chianti Heartland, and only Chianti from that subzone can boast the black uh, rooster. And the other is Chianti Reserva. Now, this is always going to be fairly expensive, Chianti, because the Reserva has to spend at least 30 months in wood. And so it's a much more complex wine than just there's Chianti, Chianti Classico, Chianti Classico Reserva. And those are the three main appellations or, or denominations uh, that are used with the uh, Chianti. And it's really marvelous. And, of course, uh, the Chianti region, uh, you know, it's called Tuscany. And it's called Tuscany because the Tuscans were there before the Romans. And they, culti you know, cultivated wine and had vineyards, etc. That's all been uprooted by the archaeologists, etc., to show us that, and the Romans planted vines there. <laughs> so the place has a great tradition on wine. 
And another wine we'll talk about another time is the uh, Brunello di Montepulciano, which is the kind of the very best wine, in my opinion, of Tuscany. And Tuscany also has what they call a super Tuscan. And what had happened in the oh, late 60s in that, the, the people who grew Chiani were getting uh, kind of annoyed that they had to follow this formula, and they wanted to maybe make Chiani out of 100% Sangiovese, or they wanted to experiment with some of the New World wines, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, etc., that had such a good following all over the world. And the... Uh, they created a, what was called a super Tuscan. Sassicaio was the first one uh, on the market, and it was a uh, 100% Cabernet Sauvignon. And it just swept the market, and people loved it, and they were willing to pay a premium for it, etc., etc. And what had happened, of course, is you looked on the label, and it's Vina Tavola, table wine, because it wasn't complying with any of the Appalachian. Uh, presently existing in that area where the main thing is Chianti. And so these super Tuscans uh, gathered a foothold, and people just, every winery now uh, of any size makes a super Tuscan. Where they experiment, it might be Merlot, it might be Syrah, it, it might be Cabernet Sauvignon, but they it <coughs> usually is a very little a Sangiovese, unless there's a little Sangiovese in the blend. But these Super Tuscans are really remarkable, and it just shows what that soil and the area around Tuscany can produce, and indeed does. And like I say, Chianti, a lot of, you know, for many, many years, Chianti was kind of frowned on. It was one of those drinks that poor immigrant Italians had to drink, and they came in raffia wrap bottles, frescati, and uh, that's where they wrap the bottle in wicker. And if you're a certain age, you probably remember going into every Italian restaurant would have one of those wicker bottles and a candle stuck in it in the center of the table. Uh, and But uh, Chianti at that time was regarded kind of like, I, I won't say contemptuously, but they just didn't think much of Chianti. Well, today, my hat's off to them. They produce, in my opinion, some of the finest red wines that are produced anywhere in the world in that Tuscan area. And while you can still get some of those Friscotti bottles, uh, usually they're produced basically uh, for promotional things and not really to be taken too seriously. Uh, one of the reasons they put that uh, wrapping on the bottle was uh, bottles were very expensive at the time, and it was kind of uh, the precursor to a thermos bottle. What they would do is go out in the back and take the big barrel and put the little friscotti underneath it, open the tap, fill the friscotti up with their regular house wine, put a cork in it, and drop it into the well where it would chill uh, in that cold water in the well. And in the morning when they go out to work the fields, they would haul up that friscotti bottle that had been soaking in the well all night, take it out and set it on a, a rock or something, and, of course, during the day, that evaporation caused the wine to stay cool so that when you had your lunch, you had a, a cool, refreshing glass of wine to have with your lunch. And thus was the origin of Friscati. And then, like I say, it became a cute little gimmick that every uh, Italian restaurant 
would put on the table with a candle in it, and uh, you know that became associated with Chianti. So, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody knows about Chianti, but what you don't know is how really good it is. And <clears throat> like I say, if you want to try something, try one of these reservas. Uh, like I say, they're they're treated just like a very expensive Bordeaux or a real expensive Cabernet from California. They're just marvelous. And then there's the Super Tuscan, which, as I say, just by their price alone, command uh, uh, not only a high price, but people are willing to pay it because the wine is so very, very good. And, of course, visiting that area is a wonderful experience. The foods are, are just terrific. Uh, the scenery is breathtaking. You know, there all these little hill towns all over Tuscany. And I'll tell you, you go into one, uh, you can't wait till you go into another one because they're all just fascinating. A lot of history, beautiful plazas and churches and things like that. And during this COVID thing, in most of the plazas, they had musicians playing uh, classical music, etc. And because of the way those plazas are built, they're echoing around the uh, plaza made for a very pleasant experience. And whether you were stopping to have a, a, a diet Coca-Cola or something like that, or you're having a Negroni or a glass of your favorite wine, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, I was very, very glad to get back to Italy. It had been a long, long time since I'd been there, or at least seemed like a long time because of this COVID thing. And uh, other than uh, Alitalia going out of business right after we left, the, the trip went flawlessly. And it was really, as I said, an eye-opening experience uh, to see what's going on in the wine world in Tuscany. And uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, you want to try a couple of Chiantis. There's a great one called Villa Cafaggio that I used to have an interest in that uh, I can't say enough nice things about. It's a great Chianti. And so there's your early morning report on Italy, Tuscany, and the best of all, Chianti. Ah, yes. Well, you can then, then before we go, let's talk a little bit about Haskell's, where you can find these great wines. Indeed. You know, the folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. And they love to pair wine with food. And if you're going to have, whether it's Italian dinner or you're going to have a French dinner or you're just going to put burgers on the grill, stop in and tell them what you're going to cook, what you want to spend, and they'll marry up a wine that will go perfectly with that. And best of all, it won't break the bank. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Our fall sale is ongoing right now. And let me tell you, there are some fabulous, fabulous buys out there. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior right at the dock. There's one down in Fairbow off at 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. 22,000 square feet off at 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. 22,000 square feet of wines from around the world, plus your favorite liquors, beers, etc. There's Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis where we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and, of course, Woodbury. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and it'll take you right to our fall catalog where you'll find all sorts of fabulous 
values from the world of wine, spirits, beers, ciders, and even your favorite seltzers, all on sale during our fabulous fall sale. Excellent. Jack, welcome back again, and let's do this next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.